Good day to all of you. Pastor Jacob May dialing in from Christ Lutheran Church in Gordonville. Here we are, day three. I am happy that you are sticking with us. I am thrilled that you are joining us as we are venturing through this Gospel of Luke. That's what we're doing. If you're new to us, uh, we're glad you're here going through the gospel chapter a day. Eventually then we'll get to chapter 24 and be through the whole gospel of Luke right in time for Christmas. So we'll hopefully know a little bit more about this Jesus that we are going to be celebrating, or should I say we'll be celebrating his birth. Uh, It'd be good to know about this Jesus as we are celebrating his birth and uh, we are just taking some time doing some devotional work, some devotional study. Again, not a Luke expert, uh, just sharing some of my thoughts, and uh, perhaps you would be willing to share your thoughts as well. If this is encouraging for you, great. I hope that it is. But we are going to get started for today as we are going to find ourselves in Luke chapter 3 with John the Baptist again. We mentioned this before. We kind of go back and forth between John the Baptist and Jesus, and then John the Baptist and Jesus, and then we'll see uh, John the Baptist one more time, or better yet, Jesus will talk a little bit more about John the Baptist in a later chapter. Uh, But in chapter 3, we see what John's purpose is. Uh, We talk about, or I should say Luke talks about, how he is the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, fulfilling what the prophets have said about him um, all along. Uh, specifically from uh, Isaiah 40, repeating the words of Isaiah 40, uh, verse 5 and following. But prepare the way of the Lord. Make your paths straight. Every valley filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low again, and crooked shall become straight. This is what John is doing. John has, has been sent to prepare the way for Jesus. Well, hey, here's a thought. Are you preparing the way for Jesus? It's a good thought to have, especially during this Advent season. Right? Advent is about waiting for the Messiah to come. That's what, uh, that's what the people of Israel were doing. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were in Advent. And we are waiting for the celebration of Christmas, right? We're waiting for him to come. You're probably making those preparations. Putting the Christmas trees up. Putting all the ornaments and the lights. Making sure you... Get gallons and gallons of eggnog. Yes, I am a big eggnog fan, by the way. Have all your candy canes, your Christmas treats, house all decorated. But we know it's more than just that, right? We're preparing for him to come, not just for the celebration of Christmas. No, Advent is about also uh, preparing for and getting ready for his arrival again on that last day because we know that Jesus is going to come again. And yes, we'll talk more about that when we get to Luke chapter 24, but certainly important for us to remember in this Advent season, we're waiting for Christ to be born, sure, that celebration, but yes, we can't wait for Jesus to come back again, and he's going to bring with him all eternity. Oh, I can't wait to have that conversation. Can't wait for that to take place. We wait, come Lord Jesus. But with John the Baptist today, he's preparing the way. Hey, let me ask a question. If you've gotten lost, of course you have. If you're like me, you don't really have the best sense of direction. I tell you what, when I get to a new place, I have the GPS on all the time. Because if it's a new area, I just have a hard time ascertaining which way is north, south, east, and west, which way I came in, which way I left. It just takes me a long time to get my bearings. That's just the reality of it. 
So it is not uncommon for me to go somewhere new and, and I go, I, I get there and I turn the wrong direction when I'm supposed to come home. I, I go the wrong way. This happened many times. It's so frustrating because what do I have to do? I have to turn around. I have to turn back. I have to cover some of that same ground that I already went down. You have that happen? In fact, I just told a story this Sunday in my congregation in the sermon about how we got lost in the woods when we were going on a hike. Had to turn around, had to go back. It's not fun to do, is it? You want to just keep on going forward. You're hoping that you'll come out somewhere else on the other side, or at the very least, you'll come out where you'll be a little bit more familiar and you'll be able to get back on track by going straight. But it doesn't work that way. You can't go the right way by going the wrong way. There's, there's no shortcuts like that. Sometimes you have to turn around. You, you have to come back. This is really the message of what John the Baptist is trying to proclaim here. That's his job. His job, this baptizer's job, is to pave the way for Jesus to come. Jesus is coming. But he's putting people's hearts back in the right direction. So what does he tell them? What does he say to the people? Repent. Repent. Of course, Matthew's gospel tells us a little bit more. But here in Luke's gospel... Crowds were coming to him. And we know from other chapters, uh, chapter 7, that it was uh, the Pharisees and some of the other scribes and the like that didn't really want to repent. They were really happy with their lives and the way that they were. But he says, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Here it is. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't just say, I'm sorry. Don't just come back. But your lives should look different. Could you imagine if uh, you had a, a spouse, mother, father, or husband, a wife? We'll stick with the spouse. And um, in the midst of a heated argument, the husband says to the wife, you're such an old hag. Why should I listen to you? First of all, that's extremely disrespectful. Don't call your wife an old hag. Even if she is, well, older. She certainly isn't a hag, right? We don't do that. You don't do that. What if after that conversation was over, you come back, you know, I'm sorry, dear. I shouldn't have called you an old hag. I I apologize. Well, for starters, she's still going to be angry with you for a little while. And she should be. But imagine she forgives you. Then in the next argument, you do the same thing over and over again. At what point is she not going to say, you know what? Hey, we're done here. Quit calling me an old hag. How do I believe that what you're actually saying is true, that you're actually sorry for it? Why don't you show me you're sorry by calling me a name that's, that's good, that's genuine, instead of insulting me? I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example. But I think you get the point. John the Baptist is telling the people, hey, show fruit in your lives. You're repenting, fine, but start doing the things that God has called you to do. The people are asking, well, what do you mean? What should we do? He says it's simple. Whoever has two tunics, just have one and give one to somebody else. The tax collectors, they start asking them what they should do. He says, well, it's easy. Don't collect anything more than you're authorized to do. Quit cheating people. The soldiers also ask, what about us? What should we do? Well, don't extort money. Don't use your power to to, to get more than you're supposed to have either. 
You see, this was John's purpose. To tell people to, to turn, to, to come back, to remember what it actually means to be a child of God because Israel lost this. You find this further in Luke and other areas, but also in other gospel accounts that really these individuals who aren't wanting to repent, they're not wanting to turn back. They're not wanting uh, to, to look at their own hearts and, and reflect and confess that because they think in their own mind that their heritage is enough. We're good Jewish people. We know who Abraham is. We have him as our father. That's all that's necessary. We know that we're people of God. We're in this land of promise. We know where the temple is. We're good. We don't need to do anything differently. It's just not true, is it? People aren't worshiping God with their hearts. They think they're keeping all their laws, but their hearts aren't in it. The reality is you break one law, you break them all. You sin in one area, you sin in others. Have you ever thought about it? What's the Lord calling you to repent of today? Surely there's something, right? Well, this baptism was for one of repentance. This was John's baptism. Now, boy, I wish I had all the time in the world to talk a little bit more about the differences between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism. We really don't have much time to do that, but kind of a a little bit of a a segue here. Uh, We know that John's baptism is for repentance, right? He's not baptizing individuals in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to institute that later. But this was a washing, right? Repent, repent and and be washed. Turn anew. But then an amazing thing happens. Jesus comes. Jesus comes to John and he stands in that water. That's quite fascinating because these other individuals who are coming to John, they deserve to be there. They should be there. They need to turn around. They've done things they shouldn't have done. They've lusted in their hearts. They haven't worshiped God. They haven't been kind to their neighbors. They've cheated people in terms of their business deals. They need to return. They need to repent. But not Jesus. He's absolutely perfect. Matthew's account, we see John say, hey, wait a second. I need to be baptized by you, right? John knows the difference. But Jesus has to fulfill all righteousness. Again, that's in Matthew's account. Now, I did get a little bit ahead of myself. Before Jesus actually shows up, John says a couple of things about Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water, right? Things are a little bit different between John's baptism and Jesus. But he who's mightier than I, he's coming. In fact, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He is going to baptize you, here it is, with the Holy Spirit." And with fire, Jesus is bringing with him something fantastic. But Jesus shows up and we know what he does. He, he stands in the water. Can you imagine that? Just kind of picture it. What would it look like if you could actually put a look or a view on sin? Seeing it washing off people in the Jordan River. I don't know what color it would be. I see it as like a mucky brown, but maybe that's just because I'm thinking of the Jordan River. But imagine somebody being drenched with this kind of sin, it just washes off into the, war, uh, into the water, right? They come out cleaner than when they went in. But then you look and you see this picture-perfect, beautiful, pristine Jesus. Never done a thing wrong in his life. Absolutely perfect. The only person that has ever walked the face of the earth that was perfect. 
Yes, he was divine, but he was still human. And you see him getting ready to get in the water. And you're like, no, don't step in. Don't go there. You, you don't need to touch that. Everybody else comes in. They're, they're dirty. They, they come out cleaner, but not you, right? No, there's no way. You're, you're, you're so beautiful. You're so perfect. Don't step in the water. Oh, but then he does. This perfect one, Jesus, stands where sinners stand. Stands in our place. The baptism's done. We hear the voice. This is important. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. See, why is this so important? Because when you look back at the Old Testament and you see the nation of Israel, they were not just called the nation of Israel. They were called children of Israel. They were called sons of Israel. They were, yes, God's children. But we know how they lived. We know how they messed up. We know how they sinned. We know that they didn't really draw near to God. They kept drawing to the false gods of the neighboring areas. They weren't acting like children. But here comes Jesus. And what does God say? You're my son. With you, I am well pleased. See, now we see the line changing a little bit. We're not following Israel the same way that we were. Now we're following Jesus, who is the way Israel should have been acting all along. This is the son. And all those who are going to be in the son are now part of that line, part of that great heritage. Now, of course, Jesus' baptism is not the same as our baptism. We certainly don't want to say that. Jesus was, yes, to fulfill all righteousness, as Matthew says. We also know that John says this. We just talked about it, that he brings with him a a baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of of fire. And I'm going to talk about this just for a moment because we're going to get to it later in Luke chapter 12 when we get there. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, I have a baptism, this is chapter 12, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. So what is he talking about? That baptism of fire is coming where he's going to go to the cross and he is going to suffer the wrath of the sin of all the world. Remember Jesus was standing where sinners were standing? He was standing in place of sinners that wrath of God is going to come on all is going to come on the sin. It's going to come on Jesus. He is going to bear it all. So for us, we can almost see this as a refiner's fire. For us who have been baptized into Jesus. But in saying that it is a refiner's fire, that brings up the question then. What is it? What is it that you're turning from? We all have something, don't we? We've all walked or driven down the wrong road. Sometimes we think if we just keep going straight, we'll eventually come out okay. But my guess is if you're like me, there's something going on that you need to turn around. You need to come back. Come back to the way that you know is right and true. I don't know. Lustful heart? murderous thoughts, anger, bitterness, covetousness, jealous of what everybody else has. Hey, repent. Come on back. Why? 
because of the God that you are repenting to is full of grace and mercy where he has done a great work in you and me. Hear these words from Romans chapter 6 when talking about our baptism. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, something actually happened to us in our baptism. It wasn't a symbolic event. God actually performed a work on us. Our old selves, he crucified with himself. That stuff has been left in the grave and you have been raised a new person in him. Listen to this. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Oh, wow. What a great promise. So let's not go down that old road or that that road that leads away from home. The destructive path. Return home. Come on back. That's the good and pleasing way that God has called us to live. Good things are waiting for us there. God who loves us very much. Repent. Come back. Jesus is here. See you tomorrow.